This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about snakes. Now in the Ibn Torah there's an interesting parsha that has to do with, there, there are several interesting parishes that have to do with snakes, but there's one uh, that takes place in our parasha, and that's what we're going to look at. So, let's look at the Pesukim, remind ourselves. So they went from here to there. For those of you interested in geography, you know Horahar is a place. Derech Yamsuf, along Yamsuf. Lisbovet Eretz Edom, which means they wanted to get out of the way of the Edomites. Vatiksar Nefeshaham, Vaderech. Now, what is Vatiksar Nefeshaham, Vaderech? Or Vaderech? Vatiksar to what? What? So Rashi says, if you look at the Rashi, It was just difficult, running from one place to another, going a long way instead of going a short way. It was difficult. So, what? Uh, yeah, it might. But I'm just saying that's what Rashi says. I mean, you know, it's a good place to start. Amru... They said, Because we were close to Eretz Yisrael, and now we're going backwards, because we're afraid of Edom. The same thing happened to our forefathers after the Chet HaMeraglim. They also went backwards. And, they, and we've been doing that for 38 years. We don't want to start doing that again, according to Rashi. And therefore, it was not, it was the combination. The difficulty, on the one hand, and on the other hand, the, uh, the fact that they remembered that this is what happened to B'nai Yisrael 38 years ago. They started going backwards, and they God backwards for all that time. Okay, then Rashi says when something about Lashon Laz, which is explained for us as Nimaslahem, they found it disgusting. And it wasn't so much that you can't say that they were unhappy about the fact that they were on the road. And, and the Pasuk doesn't explain exactly what it was that they found difficult. Rashi goes into a digression. And he says, if you look at all the Pesukim in the Tanakh, which mention Kitsur Ruach, right? Tiksar Nefesh Ha'am, or Kitsur Nefesh. There's always some reason. There's always some reason given in the passage, and this is the only place, and this is important to remember, Rashi says that this is the only place where it says, but it doesn't tell you 
What was it that bothered B'nai Yisrael? It's kind of left hanging, it's a mystery. The next pasuk by the Beha Ambelukim of Moshe, Rashi says, Belukim of Moshe, Ishvu Ebed Likono, which I guess is another Aveira. And whatever it was that made them unhappy, one of the results was that they became theologically impaired. You know, Ebed Lerabo, so what do we mean? Why would they say such a thing? By the Beha Ambelukim of Moshe. Okay, Lechem HaKlokel, Nafshenu Katsa, we've had enough of the man. We've been eating man for 38 years. Man is not such a bad deal, right? Whatever you want it to taste like, it tastes like. So if you want it to taste like, you know, like a hamburger from the east side, that's what it tastes like. You know, like a hamburger from the east side. You want it to taste like health food? <laughs> tastes like health food. I would say, assume the majority would go with the hamburgers. But, you know, you can never tell. So what did they say? What did the Israel say? They said something which is like, a, why did you take us out of Mitzrayim to die in the desert? In other words, they exaggerate their unhappiness. They were not going to die. At least there was no particular indication that they were about to die. And then they add on, they tack on them, that the Nashenu Katsaba Lechem actually has some difficulty. I mean, he quotes the Gemara, but it's not difficult. Why is it called Klokel? Or what is Klokel? Tal, the word Tal. Like, so, the, so the Gemara says, and Rashi quotes, Levisha man neglava evarim kara'uhu kilokel. The man, according to the, the Gemara, says that the man uh, did not produce waste. They ate it, and that was it. You know, it, it, nothing came out. It just went in. It was completely used up by the body to keep the body, and there was no waste. So he called it, they call it Lechem Klokel. Uh, why? Amru Atida Manazer Sheyitpach Bema'enu Klum Yeshu Ludi So they said, they said, this is a this is causing a great day. Instead of saying, what a bracha it is, we can eat whatever we want and there's no waste. They said, <coughs> it can't be. Any, any uh, 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 being that was created by God produces waste. So the waste must be stuck in our body someplace and eventually it's going to do us in. That's what they, that, that's how Rashi connects the two parts of the psukim. The first part of the Pesach is, Why did you take us out of the tribe so that we should die in the desert? Why do they think they're going to die? Well, what's going to die? So says, That the man is going to kill us, according to, according to Rashi. Okay. Pesach Vav. Vayishlach Hashem ba'am eta nechashim asrafim vayirashku et ha'am vayamot am rab Yisrael. So this is like a, like a mystery. If God wants to punish B'nai Yisrael, why nechashim? Well, what do snakes have to do with it? I mean, we know that they have been 
Magifot in the past. We know that after the Chet Egel, they killed the, the, the good guys, killed the bad guys. What, what is this business about snakes? Why, why were snakes brought in to punish B'nai Yisrael? But if that problem is a problem, then look at, um, look at Pasuk Zayin. Okay, so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for them, he was forgiving, he, he was trying to accommodate them, and he prayed to, pray to Kodesh Bo. Pasuk het, Vayom Hashem al-Moshe asay l'cha saraf, v'sim oto al-nes. What do you think of that? He said, well, that's what that's what makes believe we know what it says. Vayom Hashem al-Moshe asay l'cha saraf. Now what's a saraf? You remember then, Pasuk vav, Vayishlach Hashem v'amet anachashim asrafim. So Rashi says the Nechashim Asrafim are Nechashim of the Srafim type. They bite you and you burn up. You know, they're really, they're really dangerous. Very dangerous. You can even say that as a uh, simple zoological point. Or you could say that Rashi meant that they were very dangerous snakes. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I say Sarat. Against Rashi. Because Rashi said, Shrafim is a definition of the type of snake, and therefore Nechashim, Shrafim means Nechashim of the Shrafim variety. But now he says, V'yom HaShem HaMoshe, Asayil HaSaraf. Asayil HaSaraf means, means that the word Saraf means Nechash. I guess. So make it Saraf, V'simu Torah Nes, and put it up on a flag, why did he make the Nachash on the copper? And then put the copper on the stack? And it was kind of a flag that everybody came to. What is all of this business? Does this like appeal to anybody? <laughs> is this what like, you want to go and explain to your friends what Judaism is about? <laughs> Would you pick this? Say, this is Judaism. Here's God speaking. You look at the Nechash. Everything's fine. You go here. It's not so fine. What is this? Compared to the red heifer state that you don't understand it. So that's okay. I can explain that to anybody. What? Well, you know, what's wrong with not understanding something? But this is not a not understanding passage. This is a, an understanding passage. What is it? I'm supposed to understand. And also, also, Nachash the Kosher, a copper one. Why did you make it a copper? God didn't take it until to make it a copper. He said, this. What well, copper was his idea? So if it's Moshe Rabbeinu's idea, why is it in the Torah of the Klal? So you look in Rashi. 
If you look at Rashi, the mission of Rashi, we look at Rashi. Rashi's not afraid. He jumps right in there. He says, God didn't tell Moshe Rabbeinu to make a Nachash the Choshet. He said, Sarat. He didn't say Nachash. He said, make a Sarat. Where does the Choshet come from? So Rashi says, Elamah Moshe, HaKadosh Bochu Kor Odachash, V'ani Eseh, Ushel the Choshet, L'shon Nefel HaDashon. There's a certain similarity between the word Nachash, Nun Chet Shin, and the word Nechoshet, Nun Chet Shin Taf. Now, it's like a little childish, you know, uh, it's, it's like, what does that mean? God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, do it. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, Nachash, how come HaKadosh Baruch didn't say, didn't say, Sarat? Which is what it said in the previous Bosom. Ah, it must be that there's some hidden message in the word Nachash. But what's the hidden message? Nachoshet. That you make it out of copper. So here's Moshe Rabbeinu. He's not only leading the people. He's not only praying for their, um, for their forgiveness. He's all, not only dealing with all these problems. He's also, he's like a little London in Yeshiva. You know, he's, he's like, there, oh, Nachash, Nachoshet. As God is talking, He's learning the psukim. What? He said nechashim shrafim, right? Which Rashi said meant a certain kind of nechash. But the second time, the second time it says sarat, right? Sarat. So he didn't say nechash. But Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't say nechash. He said, Sarat. It's just that Moshe Rabbeinu understood that since the Makkah came from Nechashim Srafim, that God must have meant Nachash. I mean, a Nachash and a Sarat, it could be, you could argue that they must look the same, like they slither. You know, maybe the result is not the same, but they slither the same way. So that's what Rashi says about Nachash Nechoshet, which is interesting. Pasuk Chet. In Pasuk Chet, Vayom Hashem Moshe Hashem Chatzarach, we understand the problem. Vesimu to Arnez, Vayakol Anash Shuk, Vera'au Tovachai. Everybody who is bitten will look at it and will lift. What does that mean? So Rashi says, Arnez, Arklonez, Shikorim, whatever. Right, etc., etc. Kol Anash Shuk. Everybody who's bitten should look at it. So Rashi says, I feel Kelev, O Chamor, Noshcho. Even if he's bitten in his bird, like, like some donkey bit him while the snakes were slithering around, he also can look and get cured. Ela, Shedeshichas Hanachash, Memaheret Lahamit. That's the difference. When you're bit by a snake, the venom can kill you quickly. But he says, that's, the looking is about the Shichat Hanachash. 
Oh, that's the nicest Nachash Nechosh that I've seen in a long time. Then you don't get cured. You only get cured if you say, Ah, now I see that God could cure me. So before we look at, uh, before uh, we don't have to look at Rashi, we could look at, I think, the Mishnah. If you turn to the second page, well, uh, remember this Mishnah. Everybody who was ever in B'nai Akiva will remember this Mishnah because there was an era in B'nai Akiva where you had to sing this Mishnah to each other's endlessly. It was at the time. And then I assumed that time passed. But when I was in B'nai Akiva, that's what we did. We sang this Mishnah endlessly in Shalashidis. B'nai Akiva's changed. B'nai Akiva's changed? Why? No Shalashidis? No endlessly? No Mishnah? <laughs> <laughs> so look what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah is a wonderful Mishnah. Vayak Hashem Yerim Moshe Yado V'gavar Yisrael Mechemet Amalek When they came out of Mitzrayim they fought against the Amalekites and Moshe Rabbeinu sat on that stone and kept his hands aloft and as long as they looked at the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu uh, they were victorious. So the Mishnah says, "If he adapts to Moshe, Zot Milchama, Oshavrot Milchama." Says, "What's the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu got to do with winning or losing?" Moshe Rabbeinu is sitting on a stone; his hands are up. So what? Why does that make the difference? Ela lo malacha. Calls man shayu Yisrael mistaklim klatei maala umishabdim et libam laziim shebashamayim hayu mitgabrim. In love, are you not know, So the Mishnah says it's a kind of a, it's a kind of a lesson. Not a lesson. If you believe that God is helping you, and if you believe that your cause is just, then you're going to win. And as long as B'nai Yisrael looked at Moshe Rabbeinu's hands, the hands were up in the air. As long as they looked at his hands, they knew that they would be victorious. Because they were looking up to heaven since he was at a high place and he was sitting on that rock and he had his arms up. And they all knew that they would be, they knew that they would be victorious. And then, uh, in a similar manner, that's what Hashem said. And anybody who was, uh, who was bit, bitten, will see the sarat and will live. And so the Mishnah asks, He says, what's the nachash got to do with anything? El of his man, Yisrael mishtaklim klapei mala mishabdim et libam labiyam bashamayim, hayu mishrafim. There you have it. Now this is sort of like a wonderful idea that Chazal said. 
And it said that you need that everything depends on faith. Everything depends on faith. But sometimes you have to be directed. You have to be directed to the faith. And so Moshe Rabbeinu in the war against Amalek, he, di- he directed people to faith by holding his arms up. And Moshe Rabbeinu, at this time, the Makkah of the of the, of the Nechashim, he directed people to have faith by putting the Nechash on the flag and raising it up high so everybody would have to look up to God. Okay, to me, I have to admit that when I learned this Mishnah, I don't know how Rosh has been uh, 10 years old, it made a lot of good sense to me. And then it sort of like continued to make good sense until somebody told me that I should reconsider. So I'm reconsidering. I mean, what do you mean? What do you mean that, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu is sitting there and they're looking at Moshe Rabbeinu? That's going to give them faith? That's going to give them faith in Moshe Rabbeinu. It'll, it'll accomplish the opposite of what you want to accomplish. The snake? I mean, what does the snake got to do with faith? I mean, the snake looks to me like what we might call in a different context an idol. It's a form, it's a shape, it's a picture, and it's doing magic. It's making things good when things were not so good before. So what possible understanding could there be of this Mishnah, this Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, and what possible understanding could there be of this whole process? Let's ignore the Nilchemet Amalek for a little bit, because the Nilchemet Amalek, after all, was much more conceptual. I mean, it was Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu represented God. There was no doubt about that. And when he held his arms up, you could say that Moshe Rabbeinu was pointing to heaven. But how could you say that about a snake? The snake was not holding its arms up. And it was not pointing to heaven. And you know that the, the, the snake, you know, the snake is, a, uh, is an anti-religious uh, a symbol. Snakes, you know, like in, remember the Garden of Eden? Remember the snake? Not such a great position, that snake. You know that, uh, that somebody asked a question, which is like a great fort. So you can forget the fact that it's Hasidish. It's really a great fort. So what was the punishment of the snake? What was the punishment of Adam? What, did, what was Adam's, Adam's punishment? What? In, in other words, that food would not be so available. He'd have to work hard, and it, the crop would not, not always grow with You know, life would suddenly come the Garden of Eden, where everything was available. Suddenly nothing was available. You had to work hard to get anything out of the out of the world that you lived in. That was the punishment to Adam. What was the punishment to the snake? What was the punishment to the snake? That it, uh, what? Afar. That he'd eat the afar. Now, how much afar is there in the world? Endless. Endless afar. So, so you see, Adam Arisha was punished. He wanted to be able to get any food. And the snake was punished, but well, it's not a punishment. He eats, so he eats dirt. So good. So he doesn't get the the uh, the the endicott steak, but he's always got food. He doesn't have to do anything. It's always there. So the question was: So how? So what was the punishment of the snake? 
So Yitzchak Mivorka, right, one of the Talmidim in the line of uh, the Kotzker, who was a Rebbe in, uh, in Poland, right, before World War II. He says, it's true that Adam Harishon's punishment was severe, but there was a, a, a sunny side to it. And the sunny side to it was that other Mishon had to daven. In other words, if he didn't daven, then he would really be in terrible shape. The punishment of the snake was that he never had to daven. Because there was always dirt for the snake to eat. That's the, that's the famous word of Rabbi Yitzhak. I think it's a good word. Word to remember. You could sell it anywhere. Anyway, Shaver brachas for some relative from yeshiva in the yeshiva. You just don't tell them who says it. You heard somebody said this. It's okay. So there, there you have a question. What's a snake? What does a snake have to do with anything? So let's look at the. So, so before we look, I wanted to tell you that the end of the snake. It's worse than you think because if you look at Malachim days. Page one, right? The second source, bottom base, page you said, put the dollar, it says, who? Who is here? We're talking about Siskiyahu Amelech, one of the great, good kings of Yehuda. Etabamot, he destroyed all the high places where they did idolatry. Vishibar etamatsibot, and he broke up all of the, the stones, the tombstones that I guess meant are uh, uh, marked off very important idolatrous places. He cut down the Asherah, which is a tree that was served. But this was all things that he did. Until Hizkiyahu HaMelech the Nechash HaNechoshet was almost idolatrous. It was almost something that they served incorrectly. And no one had the nerve to do away with it because it was after all the legacy of Moshe Rabbeinu. How are you going to take Moshe Rabbeinu's how you take Moshe Rabbeinu's Nahash and destroy it but Chizkiyahu HaMelech who was almost Mashiach as you know Chizkiyahu HaMelech destroyed the Nahash HaNechoshet Ki Ada Yamim Ahim Ayubadeis on the Katrimlo that's what Potsuk says, that they would give Mekatrim, uh, incense. They would, they would sacrifice incense, incense to this snake because it was Moshe Rabbeinu's. So that not only did Moshe Rabbeinu do something weird, right, you know, this whole thing is hard to understand, but it produced something akin to idolatry. Close to idolatry. Now, how did that happen? How did that happen? This is uh, what the Gemara says. The Gemara asks, you see the Gemara in Chul and you see that Gemara? That's our Pesach. That's our Pesach. So the Gemara doesn't understand. There were righteous kings in Yehuda before, before Chizkiyahu. How come they didn't get rid of it? 
Because we know that Asa, the king, and Yoshafat, the king, did away with all the Avodah Zarah that they could find. It's hard to know what that means. That there was something like, what to leave something over Siskiyahu Amelech, that he could prove his devotion to God by getting rid of the idolatry of the Sarah. But in fact, what it means, what it may mean, is that there was always doubt about this Sarah. Is it idolatry and should it be destroyed? Or is it from Moshe Rabbeinu and therefore we should keep it? And the first one who had the nerve to kind of determine this question was Siskiyahu Amelech. What's his yoga? Okay. So now the answer to all these questions is found in the Svadhanat. As is uh, often the case. Here's the Svadhanat. You see the Svadhanat, the second side, the second source. The Pasuka Selecha Sarah, the Mishnah, the Hina Chash Meimit, where we saw that Mishnah, the Hina Chash Mechayet. Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu just tell him to look up to heaven? To Davin Shimon Ezra. I mean, what's the, what do you need this intermediary of a Nachash? That's the question of Svadamek. So it's a good question. We could also uh, ride on his coattails, so to speak. Achein be'emet ha'yan ha'chash misugal l'refu'azo. You have to understand that in truth, this nachash had this medicinal value. It could cure the bite of another snake. In other words, it wasn't a miracle in, in terms of God changing nature, but it was the snake that was able to cure the bite of the snake. How so? Then that you have to look at the Ramban. He quotes the Ramban, that somehow... God can make bitter overcome bitter. And can make sweet overcome sweet. And can make snake overcome snake. Even though, usually, usually it doesn't work that way in nature, but if you're bitten by a, by a mad dog, and then you see the dog, that's worse. That's what the Rabbad says. It doesn't matter, but he says this was, this was a, a, an act of nature. The snake on the nace, on the flag, was curing the bite of the snake. So he says, uh, again, Avo Pikein, I'm on the fifth line. Avo Pikein, Zeharatzon Shabiyoto al Seik Bifuah Gashmi Yistakel Vieli Bola Shamayim. When, when this refuah, he's talking about refuah, he's talking about medicine, he's talking about curing, it's like doctors are doing this, but at the same time, this is what the Mishnah means. The Mishnah doesn't mean that looking at the snake is like looking at heaven, 
it's that when you get cured by a doctor, you should be with the doctor, you should also be looking to heaven. That's the, that's the pshat. And then he says, so listen again. Look at the first page. The first page says, you see that Pasuk? What does that Pasuk mean? That they are on their way to Eretz Yisrael. But what are they thinking about? They're thinking about the difficulties of the road. They're in Olam Hazeh. The people. They are, they are overwhelmed by the physical and the emotional responsibilities that they have on the way to Eretz Yisrael. So HaKadosh Baruch sent the snakes because they were in the world of the snakes. They were talking about the difficulties of the journey. They were talking about the oppression of having to go south again when they wanted to go north. And so the snakes are one of the things that you're afraid of in the desert. And where were they? They were in the desert. Where could they have been at that time? They could have been in Eretz Israel. I mean, maybe not physically, but they could say, it's like, you know, sometimes people come out of the yard and all they can talk about is whether the, uh, uh, whether the duty-free shop will be open and when they're going to get their flights. So they're in Olam Hazet. They're not at Aliyah. But there are people who are to be in, a, in the airport in New York City and they say, oh, I'm already in Eretz Yisrael. I'm already, you know, where I'm supposed to be. They're those kinds of people. So what were the people of B'nai Yisrael at that time? They were the kinds of people. They were the kinds of people who were in Olam Hazet. They were like, every, any little thing that happened that disturbed them, they made it into a big, uh, a big deal. So HaKadosh Baruch said, Oh, you're in Olam Hazeh in the desert. You're going to be punished by the Olam Hazeh in the desert. And then when they did Shuba, it doesn't mean that they raised their level to some unreasonable height, but they did Shuba and the Kaddish Baruch wanted to give them a, a leg up, as they say, in, in curing them. So HaKadosh Baruch said, It'll, It's a snake. And the Ramban says, that's what the, the, the Svasem is quotes, he quotes the Ramban and says, it, it, it's such a cure. It's such a cure if you're bitten by a, by a wild animal. They what? No, they are. They're ready after the 38 years. They're the ones who are left, who after they died. So, so but I, what I'm, I'm saying is that the Ramban says, we're talking about medicine. It's not conventional medicine. It's not kind of medicine that we today are interested in. But you know, it wasn't so long ago that if you had a headache, they would, they would let out blood. You know, medicine changed radically in the last several hundred years. But before that time, there was also medicine. And one of these medical things, one of the medical things going to the Ramban was that if you know who bit you or what kind of animal bit you, if you look at that animal or if the animal looks at itself, it all kinds of different variations, 
It's curative. It's curative. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu say to them? Or what? Did, so Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, here, you, you guys are in Olam Hazeh. You're like annoyed by things that happen to you when you're going in the desert. You're not thinking about, about the higher goal or where you might be. So, so the snakes are a fitting punishment. Not for the fact that you said what you said, but for the fact that you're still in this world. You're still in the desert. Right? You can't get out of the desert. And so the, the cure, the cure is going to be, the cure is going to be Olam uh, Hazek uh, 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 kind of cure. That's what the Ramban meant to say. Even though for us, I mean, we would probably take, uh, you know, uh, antibiotics. But, but the cure of snakes by snakes, that makes sense in Olam Hazeh. It made sense in Olam Hazeh. So the Mishnah says, so the Mishnah says, El of Ismanji Yisrael Mistaklin Klafei Ma'alo. In other words, it didn't have to be that Moshe Rabbeinu made this snake. It didn't have to be that it was put al-hadnes to look up, but the, the, the message, the hidden message in, the, uh, in this uh, process is that Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Israel, listen, you're in Olam Hazeh. You're in Olam Hazeh. You're being struck down by the snakes. That's Olam Hazeh. You're going to be cured by the snakes. That's Olam Hazeh. But at least look up towards heaven. At least Remind yourself a little bit that there's a more significant uh, aspect to whatever is going on. That's what that's what the nachasha nachoshit was, and since that was the nachasha nachoshit, it had two aspects to it. One aspect was curative, that people looked at the nachasha were cured, and the other aspect was that it was al hadnes. It was uh, like a flag. It was held aloft. And held aloft means that people looked up and would be reminded of the fact that they were still, their minds and hearts were in the desert, but they should have already been in Eretz, in Eretz Israel. So because of that, the Nechash and Nechoshu was never destroyed. Because it was seen as a positive thing, but eventually, as the Koski Malachim says, what evolved was that people started worshipping the Nechash and Nechoshu incorrectly, unacceptably, and finally, Chizkiah Melech destroyed it. The Gemara says, what about the other good kings, like Asa and Yoshafat, why did they destroy the Nechash and Nechoshet? So my guess was that it's because it, it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear that it should be destroyed. But Chizkiah, who was on the way to becoming the Mashiach, Chizkiah was the one who understood that we can't li- live with Nachash and Nachoshet, and he did away with it. Have a good shot. What do I do? What do I do? Slide to unlock. Lower.